Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast, and I am Georgia Close, your host. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. Through speaking with industry experts, authors, and amazing individuals throughout the world who have a message to share, we're bringing you empowerment, inspiration, and strategies that you can implement immediately. Our focus is on the whole person. And research shows that the happiest people in the world, the most fulfilled countries in the world, are the ones that make time to nurture and build their relationships, money, self-worth, career, love life, and health. When we feel great within us as the whole person, then and only then can we create positive change around us. Today, we're going to be talking with an incredible woman who you are going to love to meet and want more of. Her name is Christina Reeves, and she's born in Toronto, Canada. She's a holistic life coach and an energy psychologist. She's also an accomplished author, speaker, and facilitator, hosting workshops, seminars, and lectures in North America and internationally. Following a successful career as an entrepreneur and very much a businesswoman, um, she was a mentor and a coach. She made a conscious choice to shift her focus to one that she was much more passionate about and one with a stronger bottom line than simply commerce. Today, it's my pleasure to have Christina on the show with us. Thank you so much for joining us, Christina. It's uh, certainly an honor to have you. I always love to start this show off by just letting our audience know who you are. Um, but from your own words, from your own heart, can you just kind of tell us about you and, and what you do? Thank you, Georgia. And thanks for the opportunity. I'm happy to be here. I love your mission and I can see your obvious passion for the work that you do mm. based on the website. Thank you. I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. I was referred to by others as a workaholic. And I really <laughs> truly, you know, sometimes we avoid feeling things fully, you know, by pushing away any unpleasant memories and emotions based mm. on experiences that we've had. And we do that by indulging in sort of a particular behavior pattern. And my drug of choice was burying <laughs> myself in my busyness. <laughs> I left no time for anything else, including myself. Having uh, said, yeah, you know that feeling, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> Having said that, you know, uh, Georgia, it was really about 12 years ago that I made a complete shift in my purpose and in my way of showing up for life. And it came to me in an incredible way. I made a choice to change my lifestyle to something more than commerce, simply for the sake of the bottom line. Mm -hmm. I went back to school and I trained for four years to become a holistic uh, life coach and energy psychologist. I have a clinic and training facility in Toronto, Canada. 
And Dimitri, who is the co-author of our new book, The Mind of the Map, and I have recently opened another facility in New York called Eudaimonia Center. Mm. Wow, that is quite a lot. <laughs> you said about 12 years ago, right? Yeah. yeah wow, yeah. so you've done quite a lot in 12 years with that. That's a pretty big change. What was, uh, just out of curiosity, what, what was it that you were doing before? <laughs> I was an entrepreneur. I built three very large companies and uh, and uh, very successful. Traveled around the world. Uh, my products went global. I invented wow. uh, a product and um, got the patents for it, and it went around the world. It's still there today. And okay. uh, yeah, so I was really um, an entrepreneur in the truest sense of the word. Fourteen, sixteen hours a day, I was working. I left little time for anything, including my family, which is a big regret. Oh, wow. So we're, we're not messing with an amateur when we're talking to you, Christina. No, <laughs> so no. Like you know how to make something work. Yeah, I was nominated for Entrepreneur of the Year in, for Canada in 1995. So I've oh had some, you know, prestigious awards for the work that I've done but I wasn't happy. (laughs) I have heard that story so many times from very successful people. I mean, over and over again, and and they make a shift like what you're talking about um, that you did 12 years ago. And, you know, they're, they're doing what they were created to do. And whether or not it brings in money is a whole other question. But at the end of life, I don't know that that matters so much anymore. (laughs) Very good. That's exactly how I felt. Thank goodness I noticed it midlife. (laughs) So what was, was there a moment, like an aha moment where you just went, okay, I've, I have to, this is it. It's time. Nothing else matters. I have to make the shift. I've had a few of those, many of them, but let me think here. The one that, um, the one that caused me to shift, uh, took place while I was in China on business, and it'll be a moment in my life that I'm forever grateful for. I, as I said, I lived a good life. You know, I had wealth, I had ease, and but also that life was solely focused on commerce. What mm-hmm. I mean to say by that is I was more focused on business than not seeing or paying attention to anything outside of accomplishing. I, I know the writing on my wall. I know where I got that drive, uh, mm. but it's not where I wanted to be. What happened was I was visiting one of the factories that I had set up in China to manufacture a product that I had invented. And after a few visits there, the manager I had running the factory uh, said his family wanted to meet me. So it was arranged that I would go there. Georgia, when I arrived, I saw six people living in a 10 by 10 foot space with no separating walls on the interior, only curtains between their sleeping areas for privacy. And along with the, his immediate family members that were there, there were a number of other of his relatives present. After I settled in, nobody spoke English other than Collins, and I didn't speak any Chinese, Mandarin, or Cantonese or anything. So after I settled in, his mother appeared in front of me and she, big smile on her face, and she handed me a plate with a single pair on it. And I looked at it and I looked around at the others and they had big smiles and they were sort of nodding their head in approval. Mm. I felt uncomfortable because the others weren't giving 
given a plate, but they encouraged me to eat the pear. And um, I did so, but not without a lot of mind chatter going on in my head. Oh, I bet. A little while later, the mother repeated the performance, this time with an orange. And again, it was only for me, and it was on a single plate. I glanced around the room, and I saw the smiles again encourage me to eat the orange. This time, I peeled it in my brook section, and I passed the plate. When Collins took me back to my five-star hotel that night, I went on my knees, my head resting on the bed, and I sobbed, and I sobbed for hours. I had just witnessed a gap between the rich and the poor, and it affected me in a profound way. I was unhappy with everything I had accomplished, and these people were happy with so little. I realized at that moment that I was a sort of, I would call myself a, a master pretender at happiness. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no one knew how unhappy I was in my life. And it was right there and then that I made a choice to change my life and to pay attention to life around me and on a global scale. No more $750 jeans at Neiman Marcus. You know, that buys a lot of rice for some other people. Changed my life. Wow. Oh, I just got the chills. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I can see where that aha moment was um, and why you never kind of looked back after that. It would be really gift. hard. And the gift of the experience, you know. Yeah. I um, absolutely can resonate with that. I have had the fortunate blessing of traveling all around the world for many things, but um, one of them... Uh, for the last six years and visiting some of those very places that you're talking about where people are living that many people to just one room and and it really is a shift it really is a life change and um and for the better like I say and I know I'm pretty sure you would agree with me here but for the better it kind of flips a switch and turns you into who you really were you know gifted to to be and in kind of puts the work in your lap of okay now what now what have you know have I been gifted with to do absolutely it's life-changing absolutely so after that moment happened for you obviously you you came back and I don't, did you make a switch overnight or was it just something where you started to dream up okay what do I want to do with my talents now Great question. I put up a new mission board, <laughs> a new vision board <laughs> in my office and uh, slowly started to build up a succession team to come up behind me. And uh, I literally walked away. I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. I literally oh. shut down an 8,000 square foot home, uh, gave all my furnishings and everything away. Wow. And uh, began again a much simpler life. I took two years uh, on a retreat. I owned a property in Greece. I went over there for two years and I did nothing but inner work, self-discovery work. I'd been on my path for a long time. Mm. But um, journaling every night, I sent over 18 boxes of journals, if you can imagine. Oh, wow. <laughs> getting off that ride, you know, of my busyness, was one of the hardest things I ever did 
part of me, you know, the voice in the head saying, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other part says, no, 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 keep going, keep going. You know, the soft, quiet, higher self speaks. Yes. You know, in a different tonality than the critical voice. So I, I just did it. And um, the best thing I ever did. I am happy. I found my happiness gradually. And it turned from surface happiness to a sort of a, a constancy in my happiness. And very, very uh, profound happiness at some point. It was amazing. Okay, so you, do, you just mentioned something I, I want to dial in on. Um, there's two voices in your head. You said there's this this negative, what the hell are you doing voice? And then there's this <laughs> higher self-talk voice, the one that I much prefer to hear. Um, but both are there, clearly. And can you, obviously, those two voices play a huge, huge role in our happiness, in our joy, in our contentment, in our career, in everything we do. What is the big idea behind that negative voice the critical voice is um coming directly from what i call the writing on the wall and uh, the writing on the wall is um, our belief systems which set up our perception uh of life and these beliefs that are systems they sit on the uh, subconscious mind and uh mm-hmm. so the ego tried to defend everything that what we have been taught to believe is true for us. And so it's, uh, it's try to conforms us to what those templates are, those neural pathways that are on our subconscious mind to help keep us in line. Uh, and of course, if we do a reality check on what's written on those walls, a lot of that we didn't even put there. And it doesn't ring true for us now as adults. This stuff is downloaded as children between the ages of zero and seven years old. Uh, we don't come with a a database, so to speak. You know, we come into this world with an operating system. Our breathing is good. You know, our muscles are working. Our mobility system is good. Our eyes, our ears. But we have no database. And uh, so there's there's a function for this. You know, we develop the database from the environment around us, from our caretakers. And uh, I'm not saying this in a negative way. There's no shame or blame here because our caretakers, too, were programmed down through history. (laughs) It's just the way, it's the workings of the mind. It's the biology of how the mind works. And we cover this in quite depth in the book, Uh, The Mind is the Map. So this voice comes from there. And you're right, after a time when you do do your personal discovery work and you start to reality test some of those beliefs and see where they came from, and it could be an old childhood survival skill even, you know, that you don't need anymore now that you're an adult. Mm. And we now know with the new science of um, neuroplasticity that the brain is not fixed we can change what's written there we can rip up those old templates or neural pathways and lay down ones that serve us better that's what that's the one voice that's where that comes from but it also has an upside uh georgia the upside of that critical voice would be that it tells us what's written on our wall. So we really do want to pay attention, not fall into the ego trap of it, but pay attention to what it's telling us. 
because it's coming directly from the wall. And um, we need to know what's written on our walls in order to transform and change our patterns and our beliefs. That's, that's brilliant. I, um, it's so nice to have things broken down like that because I think there's a lot of us who wonder, you know, there's a, there's a lot, especially now, especially actually in Southern California where we're at, but there's so much busyness going on and there's such a hustle and a bustle and I should be doing this and everybody's packed everything into their schedules. And, and in the midst of all that, it seems like more and more people are becoming isolated, internally isolated. And you think to yourself, um, I'm the only one like this or something's wrong with me. And it's so wonderful to hear you say, you know, someone who has the degree in the background like you do and has the scientific proof like you do to say, you know what, actually there's, there's a reason why you're hearing these things and there's a way to change it. Um, it's but all yeah. divinely orchestrated. Yes. Look at it from a different perspective and a much bigger perspective. It's divinely orchestrated to help us evolve to higher levels of consciousness, to the best self that we can be. You know, eventually it settles down. What you don't pay is energy follows intention. You know, everything in the universe is energy. It's that universal life force energy that I'm talking about that sustains us all. And intention is what moves energy. We know that. We know that now from quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Nothing happens at all until there's an observer. And the observer sets the intention and then the energy starts to move. That's basically uh, what happens. So we all have tendencies to push and pull at life, as you said, to get our wants and our needs met every day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're so focused on a particular outcome that we try to force our way through life and force our ways onto others, you know. And the other side of that is our thoughts continually go to our past, a place where we no longer even have a choice point. Or we go to our future in the form of our busyness and we address our future in the, in the form of worry and stress and anxiety. We all seem to have a, a difficult time these days remaining in the moment that we're in and trying to just do our best in that moment. And yet, that's the only moment where we actually have a choice point. If we think about that for a minute, this moment creates the next moment and the next moment mm-hmm. and the next moment. So I'll even go as far as to say that it's in this way we're calling our future best life to us if we just pay attention. That's been my experience anyway. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Quantum mechanics says it right there. <laughs> That's a hot topic these days. <laughs> so you... um. Oh, there's so many wonderful things I just want to ask you about. Um, And I know we don't have time for all of them, but you had mentioned, you know, it's the writing on the wall. And I know you have a book called The Writing on the Wall. Is that that right? And it's also a method? It's called The Mind is the Map, actually. The Mind is the Map is the... Part of that map, yes. Okay. Okay. So that's that's your new one coming out here. But what is... I mean, when you're hearing all of these things spoken to you you know that negative voice the writing that's that's on the wall inside if it's important to listen to that which I love that you said that because I've never heard anyone suggest something like that before but 
um, it, like you said, it's important to listen to that voice um, or at least to pay attention to it because it's, you're going to understand then where are your opportunities, where are the things you need to change. So I imagine there's a fair amount of journaling that if you were coaching, you know, someone in the audience, there's probably a fair amount of journaling you would suggest. Is that right? Yes, there is. And I do um, all of my work, Georgia, both uh, Dimitri and I do through self-discovery. We never give the answers, but we ask the right questions, you know, asking the right question to have someone self-discover something. That's where the stickability is. You know, that's where the engagement is when you're working with someone else to have them self-discover. Just keep asking the right questions in a soft and easy manner. So you'll find a lot of questionnaires in uh, our book. In the back of each chapter, there's a whole self-help section, including uh, going deeper, asking questions. We have uh, tips. We have meditations in there. We have uh, even, you know, check, you know, celebrate your milestones, for heaven's sake. You know, see where Mm -hmm. they are. And celebrate yourself for the work that you're doing. See how far you've come and what you've changed. Yes. Interesting. So that's all, those are all in the back of your book and they're kind of a journaling assignment, so to speak. Yes, at the end of each chapter. And we do have a workbook that's coming out. um, I believe it's being introduced in April. And uh, so we're actually giving you a PDF workbook as well to work along with the actual. book itself and the book comes in you know audio it comes in paperback it comes in you know um down uh ebook comes in all the forms that um, i never realized you know that it would be the success that it is Mm, i love that (laughs) from my heart and from passion for both with both dimitri and myself Mm. And, uh, you know, we are kind of amazed at, at how well it's doing. Wow. We like that. <laughs> it's, I guess it's making a difference out there, you know. We're talking about the voice. Now let's switch from the, let's look at the critical voice. After a time, when you do change these neural pathways and you do change your beliefs, there's really nothing there for the critical voice to say anymore. So it softens and it fades away. Mm. And then what you hear is that soft, sweet, higher self. When You can tell the difference in the voices because the higher self will never criticize you. It mm. empowers you. It loves you. It, you know, everything that comes from the higher self voice is said to you in a very loving, compassionate way, not at all critical or negative even. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, because it's nice to know there's hope, right? (laughs) It does fade away, you know, and the patterns start to change. And almost as if, you know, you had nothing to do with it. Of course, you did your inner work, but the results are amazing. And uh, they show up in, in very soft, subtle changes. And you look back on your life and you think, wow, I really am different. And what's really special is other people notice. And they'll come up to you and they'll say, you're really soft. You know, I had sort of a a sharp edge being a businesswoman in a men's world, as you know. Sure. You know, competing all over the world, you know. And uh, so I had this 
kind of rough side of me. And um, when I stopped doing that, this soft side of me that so wanted to come out and stand up and be present, tired of being invisible sort of a thing, uh, showed up and everybody, what's with you, Christina? You're so <laughs> and to what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I say, yeah, I say a lot. I said, yeah, I, I'm different. I'm really happy. I just put it down to being happy. You know, I'm talking relatives and close friends, and I never coach relatives or close friends. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, okay, so for example, you pro- I mean, you're probably going to have a range of answers here, I'm sure, but if... If someone's in that situation, say it's myself, someone in our audience is in that situation where they're just successful or not, but have this incredible negative, you know, sense about them and they hear, they're very aware of that internal voice that's always criticizing and they have that sharp edge and they, and they have this moment where they go, I want to change. And they actually start engaging in methods and, um, like you're talking about in your book and like we're talking about here tonight, they start really taking that seriously. How long does it take to achieve some kind of like growth, <laughs> like spiritual growth and, and, and see a difference? <laughs> I heard this one so many times. It's a path, you know, that I don't think there's any ending to it. It's a path. Uh, be patient with yourself, you know, have compassion for yourself. Uh, stay on your path with due diligence. Uh, keep doing your journaling. Keep doing your discovery work. It's like um, trying to digest a meal. You know, you can't just take it all in and gobble it all up. I call those um, seekers. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I was one of them at one yeah. point. As I said I was on my path for a long time, but and it was like I was like a vagabond out there seeking this and seeking that. You know, going to all these workshops and classes and so on and so forth but I really wasn't internalizing uh, it. There's a big, big difference. There's, mm. As far as I'm concerned, there's two parts of knowledge. And uh, one of them is all that intellectual stuff, including my book. You know, I won't roll out even my book. That's intellectual. Uh, what we really need to do is um, take all of that and actually at an experiential level, and it's this experiential level that um, brings us the wisdom. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's the second part of, of what I would call um, knowledge. Wow. And we must remember to do that. If uh, someone mm-hmm. is going through this process, <laughs> just take your time. Love yourself. Allow it to happen. Again, don't push and pull the energy. You know, life comes to you in all the experiences that you need as it comes. Just stay present and uh, open yourself. Allow, get out of the box. You know, look at things with the. We have techniques and methodologies that we teach you in the book to follow to help this opening, to help this expansion, and to help you see things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And not get triggered so much. Mm-hmm. You know, we all get triggered. Going back to your book, um, The Mind is the Map, could you, 
can you explain in a nutshell um, what is the what's the method in the book? Well, there's there's processes in the book. First, we're giving you you know the background of how the mind works, and then we're giving you uh, processes that you can follow. Uh, one of the processes, uh, one of the first things we want to teach someone is. <laughs> You know, this should be tattooed on everyone's eyelids. <laughs> no one can make you feel anything. Ah. No one can make you feel anything. If we're suffering with some emotional distress in any experience, we must always remember it's never about out there. The law of attraction, law of physics happens everywhere. You know, if there is something within us or our beliefs that drew this experience to us to teach us something, to help us evolve. Our beliefs are what create our thoughts, and our thoughts create our feelings and emotions, and our emotions dictate our behavior. All of this takes place within you, and guess what? You're the only one in your mind. (laughs) (laughs) When this happens to you, ask yourself, what is it within me that I need to understand mm-hmm. about myself in this experience? It is never about out there. No one can make you feel. The biology of the mind doesn't work like that. That mm. is comforting to know. It kind of gives you the control back in a way. Yes. So you're not the victim. You're, you're really the one in the driver's seat here. You're, don't play the role of the victim. You're not the victim. People do what they do, Georgia, and they do what they do because of what's written on the wall. What's really going on there is the subconscious mind, okay, is it works so much faster than, um, than the conscious mind. There's a bandwidth there. It can process, for example, 40 million nerve impulses per hmm. second okay that's a lot of process that's a lot <laughs> the conscious mind which i call the little mind the creative mind the one that has all the good ideas can only process 40 nerve impulses per second so look wow. at what you're up against you know you're up against the subconscious mind with this huge bandwidth and mm-hmm. You know, and then you're up to, you know, going up against if you want to say when you're two minds of something or you have incongruency between what's on the subconscious mind and the conscious mind, you you almost don't have a chance. Ninety five percent of our life is being run and controlled by the subconscious mind, habitual patterns. In other words, if we have an experience that comes up for us and we say the subconscious mind will grab that right away, it'll say, oh, we got a template for that. We know what we'll do. And it'll go and do what it's always done. Interesting. Only six seconds, six seconds to step into one of the processes that we talk about in the book, which is stepping into awareness. You've got six seconds before you're triggered. Once you're triggered, the mind is hijacked. And you're going to have to wait until it comes out of its overwhelm and its patterning and so on and so forth before you can. It won't even take in anything from the conscious mind at that point. Is that right? Yes. The system in the body shuts down and Hmm. 
everything in the body goes to help us with the overwhelm. So no new information is coming in. Nothing. We call wow. that being hijacked. <laughs> so the, the, one of the processes that we um, talk about in the book is the process of awareness. To be able to step back when you feel triggered in life. And you'll feel this trigger in your body sometimes, in your throat, Mm -hmm. in your heart, in your chest, Mm -hmm. belly. So be mindful of what you're feeling in the body. Be mindful because the speed of the bandwidth of the subconscious mind gives you only six seconds to do that, okay? Wow. While you're in awareness, okay, just be the curious observer in awareness. And what I mean by awareness no judgment, simply try to see the other's perspective. There's three parts of every experience. There's the you in the experience, there's the experience itself, and then there's how you and the others are processing the experience. So picture those three bubbles, step back and take a good look at what's going on. No judgment. Just be curious. You might say, oh, God, look at me in this experience. What am I doing? Oh, I've upset him. Look at him now. And so on and so forth. You may find by stepping back, it's not even your experience and you don't belong there. There's a lot you can see by stepping in awareness. But you've got only a few seconds to do so. Wow. That is a fascinating process. That's that's one of the tools that um, the book teaches, I assume. That's right, um, absolutely. And then we go into emotional intelligence, which is a combination of of um, all of this, you know, and uh, being good to others, empathizing with others, but also being good to ourselves. Don't leave ourselves out of the picture, which many of us do, like me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is such great information. I don't think, um, yeah, this is really good. So, so do I, tell me if I have this right. So here's, here's an example. So say I um, maybe, let's say I have a history of really, you know, being sick over coffee. I'm going to use a silly example, but I, the smell of coffee, you know, the taste of it, anything like that just, you know, makes me go into these bad memories from the past. And I just want to run out of the room and cry. So I run into that experience again unexpectedly somehow. Someone, you know, I ask for tea and they give me coffee and I have a sip of coffee and I am triggered, right? That's the right word to use there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm triggered. Okay. So I'm triggered in that moment. And that is when that at that point, are you saying I have six seconds to cognitively make a switch and say, you know what? I've experienced this before. I know that I wind up okay. I need to step out of this situation and try and reconfigure my reaction here before my mind in those six seconds, you know, gets hijacked, before the body gets hijacked. Is that right? Yes, you want to step back. But also in a case like that, you want to go deeper. You want to find out, okay, what is it about the coffee, you know, that upsets me? It's associated with something Mm -hmm. that went on in your life between zero and seven years old. Try to reach back. Once we reach back and we form a new belief around the coffee, we will never be upset by the coffee again. So it requires going deeper than that. Gosh, you know? and that takes time. <laughs> and that 
takes time. But, you know, if you close your eyes and you just relax your body and you say, okay, give me my, talk to your higher self, give me my earliest memory of this coffee thing. I'm trying to find my way through it and just sit there. The answer will come. I Mm. guarantee you the answer will come. Mm. Your higher self wants you to experience all of these things. If you don't, what happens is it keeps repeating itself until it's healed. So it goes something like this, okay? Mm. So we have an experience, something that happened with us when we were zero to seven years old, okay? Once we have that experience, we, uh, again, it's, you know, quantum mechanics that tells us this. We not only file away the experience in our memory bank we bundle it and there's a string theory attached to this so we bundle it with any emotions that we felt at that time the other part is we bundle it together with any childhood conclusions we came to so when it goes back to the memory okay and to the place where we store our memories the whole bundle goes there so if it comes up again later in life from some experience when someone gives you coffee, that whole bundle is pulled forward. Hmm. It's almost like pulling it from the ROM into the RAM to work with. Yes. Okay. But you've got all those experiences and all those childhood beliefs and so on and so forth to deal with. So while awareness will help you see a different perspective in the moment, okay, it's mm-hmm. really not going to heal the belief mm-hmm. that you have, which is writing on your wall. So if it keeps coming up, there's a reason it keeps coming up. It's like you get the postcard first and then you get the letter and then you get the envelope and then the box and then the big crate comes. You're going to get the lesson. It's asking you to heal this. <laughs> wow. Gosh, it seems... Um I mean, in it, it seems like it is a very long, involved process to change that belief that you know subconsciously you didn't even know you really had, but to sit there and go to the root and go, okay, I've got to change this belief if I want this memory, this trigger healed. Is that? I mean, that's it. Sounds like a lot of work. Well, it's because we have a lot of writing on our wall, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. what you know what. I'm an advocate here for really uh, powerful parenting, you know, looking at the children and saying, don't write on their wall. You know, Mm -hmm. we now know what the writing on the wall does for us in our adult lives. We still have it as adults. Let's be mindful of what we're writing on the children's walls. In two generations, I think of mindfulness of what we right on the children's walls and teaching them about emotional intelligence and awareness and so on and so forth. In two generations, we could change the whole world. Mm. My gosh. That is, yeah, it's encouraging to hear that, you know, for parents today, there is a way to, there's a way to start shifting that. Um, Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's jump into the power section here. Um, I could talk for an hour and a half more with you, Christine. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so do you have a book that's made a big impact on you that you feel would you would recommend to our audience? I do. And uh, this book was given to me. I have one child, one daughter. This book was given to me by my daughter 
many, many years ago is Celestine Prophecy by James Bradfield. And mm. uh, I had been on my path for a while, but this book opened me up to the importance of the life force energy. I had no idea how it affects our reality or how to use it to empower ourselves, not only ourselves, but for the greater good of everyone, how we manage our energy. And uh, so this book was an eye-opener for me. And although I was, I've been into the mind stuff and trying to figure out the mind since I was 16 years old mm. uh, because of circumstances in my own upbringing, uh, this opened a whole a new avenue for me, you know, to study the life force energy, how it affects the meridians in our body, you know, how certain emotions are tied to certain organs in the body. And um, it, it was just mind-blowing for me. And it was presented in a kind of a story-like manner, but it was enough to, to get me digging. So um, I love that book. If anybody asked me, you know, what book would be a great place to start, it would probably be uh, this book. And it's called The Self-Fulfilling Prophecy. Is that right? No. Celestine Prophecy. Celestine Prophecy. Okay. Okay. Very, very famous book. Yeah. He's written several books. Yes. How about, uh, is there a quote that you live by or a saying? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. There is, and it's Socrates, you know, know thyself. Mm. What I said earlier, you know, there's such wisdom in that quote. Uh, We talked earlier about knowledge having two very distinct parts. And I absolutely believe that um, the experiential part of knowledge is where wisdom comes from. Uh, taking the time to integrate what you're learning into your being. This is truly uh, an inside job, knowing and experiencing life in all aspects of you and your self-discovery process, because it doesn't matter what's out there. It's all about knowing yourself. This is actually uh, on the the Delphi Temple, you know, in uh, Greece. Going into the temple that is inscribed on the top of the temple. Know thyself. Know thyself. Wow. Uh, Okay. Well, maybe you've answered this question already, but if you could leave the world with one, one message, one golden nugget, what would it be? Actually, what you guys stand for. Humanity mm. needs a story. You know, I believe that women play a big part in creating this. You know, women by nature have this softer leadership style with more, a lot more nurturing qualities. It's an innate part of being a woman. Let's, let's, say, let's face it, it's the feminine side of humanity. Mm-hmm. We all need to rise up. We need to step into our power. We need to use our voices and our chancellors skill set. We need to do some powerful parenting, which will play a huge part in our future. We need to teach our children. We need to give them wiggle room. We need to have them thinking out of the box. We need to allow them to stand in their power. They're here to teach us something. We may be their parents, Mm -hmm. but they're also here to teach us something. And rise up. They are who is going to rise up as the new succession line to lead us into our new era. It's this generation that will guide us from a me to we collective collaborative society. Wow. Yeah. That puts a whole different spin on it. That's um, 
it's not necessarily the authoritarian perspective of parenting, but wow, yeah, empower those kids. They're the ones who are going to be leading us in a few short years. And we're not going to write on their walls, right, ladies? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely not. I want to steer as, as clear from that as possible. <laughs> you got a baby on the way, you know. <laughs> I got to I gotta look into that. <laughs> wow. Well, how can we stay connected to you and how can we support you? Okay. We've talked about the many concepts, methodologies, and processes. The Mind of the Map does have a website called themindofthemap.com. And um, if you can reach out, we're on Amazon, we're in all the bookstores, whatever, for the book itself. But you can reach out to us on our website. And while you're there, be sure to join our forum. This is a place where we discuss many interesting topics. It's a community place where you can share your comments and ideas with us. We will respond. And uh, you're also sharing them with many others who are out there. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, great. Well, one last question for you. Yeah. Uh, the the phrase "rise up for you." Off the top of your head, what is that? What does that mean to you? What does that trigger for you? <laughs> that triggers humanity's new story, and it triggers exactly hmm. uh, what I was just saying. You know, mm-hmm. rise up, teach our children to stand in their power. Don't ride on their walls. Let's rise up. Uh, as a new succession line to lead us into a new era. You know, your your mission is right on par with um, what I advocate. How can I say that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's a powerful way to say it. Well, I sure am sad to, <laughs> to end this. I, <laughs> I, I know our audience needs more of what you have. So... Um, we will make sure to point and direct people to you and just thank you so much for your time. Uh, you're in Canada, so it's much later there actually than it is here over on the East side. So I will let you go, but thank thank you you so much, much, Christina, for the opportunity to meet you and I so appreciate that and uh, hook up with me, you know, jump in on the forum, George. I'd love to talk to you some more. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow. Tomorrow.